Welcome back everybody, this is Eric here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today we've got another gun gripe episode for you. This one's going to be pretty fun. Alright, we're going to dive into some fun stuff. I've got Mark here with CN Arsenal. He also does the Anvil series on CN Arsenal and he's also a gunsmith. Does lots of excellent uh, restoration work as well as repair work. And we thought that it would be really fun to elaborate in this gun gripe about the difference between restoration and conservation. And then also on the other end, you've got the other evil vein of bubberizing. All right, now we're talking collectible guns and where you come to the decision-making process, when do you restore something, when do you simply conserve something, and then when do you want to bubba it, or do you want to bubba it? Or can you bubba it? Or, or can do you, you even have the tools to do it with? Yeah, yeah. Some folks that have known me know that I have a real problem with the word patina. What is patina? Let me dig that apart. I think patina is what happens when nobody takes care of something and then somebody wants that to be relevant. They want to collect broken, oxidized, rusted garbage. Well, if you want to do that, that's fine. I personally have a problem with that. I think we should do the maintenance. We need to stop things from rusting out and destroying them so that they're available for future generations. Sure. Now, do you take a 100% gun and grind it down because you want to see that 101% finish. Not what we're talking about. Do we have a problem with the fact that if you look at this, well, it used to be a Mosin, now it's kind of a um, veggie bread and milk and cheese, a bean and meat of fruit. Don't have a problem with that either because there comes a point in time when that's actually not an inappropriate thing to do. Kind of cool. It's more than kind of cool. I got to shoot it and it's pretty neat. Now, do you take a czarist marked, unimport marked weapon that you know fully flipping wall was carried by one of the Imperial Guards and do that? No. But Some people have. <laughs> but do you take this beautiful weapon that was made, what, 1848? 1847. Right. Should you stop this from rusting? Yeah. That Actually, orange it's a 50, 1857. 1857. That orange ooze that's coming out from underneath that barrel band is not patina. It's a lack of maintenance. I got an issue with that. So what do we do with this weapon to continue to enjoy it? I'm going to make them a new breech block. That's going to be pretty cool. So we can continue to shoot it and enjoy it. The bore is nice. Should we do that? Yes. The stock on this gun, there's a knot there, and that knot's trying to unwind. We're going to check that off. So that in 100 years, some other, some other ugly gunsmith is sitting here talking to you about doing woodwork and metalwork on a gun that was made in the, ooh, the way back 1800s, right? Now this is a really, really cool piece of small arms history. And this is probably one of the most interesting dang guns that I own personally. And I want to see it uh, be able to be enjoyed for future generations. And I want, you know, one day when I pass this gun down to somebody, I want them to be able to enjoy it too. And, you know, there is a relevant point where it becomes conservation of the item and making sure that it can continue on versus a restoration. We're not trying to restore it. All we're trying to do is just keep, stop the, the, the stop time from right. taking this thing. You cannot wind the time back. The gun was only new once. Yeah. All we can do, like let's say for instance, let me, pitting. oh yeah, but let's move up here for a second and sure. look at say this Mosin. Ignore the fact that this particular Mosin happens to actually be a carbine on purpose. All right. This sure. Mosin has been beat up, destroyed. It has no 
There is no, there is nothing about this Mosin other than the fact that it's a Mosin, and it's been said before. Well, because they cost fifty bucks five years ago, they're all worthless. They're not. But if we look at this weapon, this thing has had a lot of stuff. The, the, the stock has been hammered on. The original finish is gone. It's white where it should be blue. That's a classic candidate to wind that back up and do some maintenance on it and get it back nice again so that it doesn't continue to deteriorate. But to be fair, it right. is an all-matching unit, uh, which for a Type 53 to find them in all-matching con configurations kind of hard. I mean, they were commonly right. mismatched. So from a, dare I say, collectible point of view, right. I mean, there's probably collectors that would scoff at the fact, oh, you call that a collectible? Well, I call it a piece of tinder that you throw in right. a pile. But when you understand what you're looking at and you know that, like, the, the woods that these things were made of, you know, the, these were, uh, I'm trying to think of the, of course I can't, I can't think of it now. Poplar. But no, it's the type of wood that the Type 53s were made out of was a, was a jungle native species of wood Ooh. that was actually more suited to jungle environment. Had no clue. Yeah, so this this is this wood is not like Arctic birch or anything like that. It's so do your research. Completely different species of wood. So it's it's not actually right. uncommon for it to get this kind of modding color and to right. have well, some some character to it. That's normal for this type. So of before gun. before you would refinish it, and I'm never advocating sanding all the all the character off of it. Yeah. Do your research. Know what you got. Weapons in general. For every for every handgun, there's ten rifles, and for every rifle, there's ten shotguns. So let's say we're talking about a shotgun, all right? Unless a shotgun is pristine and scarce as hen's teeth, it's worth what it's worth as a shotgun. Period. Parker guys, sorry to hit you with that, but you know that five percent Parker you got. Uh, maybe you ought to think about making it not rust, and maybe you ought to think about rebluing it, maybe having it recolor cased. You know, I've seen some Parkers that are all over the place in terms right. of price. Right. I've seen some on the dog end of the spectrum, super cheap, right. and you see some where people are commanding some you know, right. severe money for some of these older Parkers. And I know we did a video before that he and I uh, spoke about earlier, the condition is king. Right. When we, what we talked about in that particular video was more specifically when you're acquiring a piece, what to look for in terms of condition, like should you pay that premium right. if you're trying to find a collectible piece. Do some where, research. Yeah, where this video comes more into, okay, you've got a piece, now do you do you restore it, do you conserve it, and what are the differences between well, those two? Always conserve it first, and then make the decision whether or not you want to go further. Yeah. That decision is entirely up to you. But it's the your first gun. step, so you're gone, but the first step is definitely to check off oxidation, check off wood cracking, um, uh, slowly leach uh, oil out of wood. Do yeah. that no matter what. And then it's entirely up to you after you've done the research whether or not you want to press on. Sure. Um, but infields are really bad about that. Right. I've seen so many infield rifles with that badly oil-soaked wood, and you'll commonly oh. see the stocks real rotted where they sit. Right. Uh, muzzle up and that wood will leach down or the oil will leach down in the wood and you get that oil soak and those are all things that just right. with experience uh, you'll tend to, to, to weed those things out and identify but the, them. But the big part that, that we need to get everyone over and we now have the internet at our disposal to be able to disseminate this information. Some is, hate that fact. That we've got to <laughs> stop. Yeah I wonder what the price of Bubba Moses is going to go to now, right? Yeah, we'll see. The, 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 the major point about it is we now have a way to disseminate the information to stop these things from decaying. Because I'm sure. going to tell you what, a lot of these guns are just fading away to nothing. In closets, they're fading away. Um, languishing away. Languishing, yes. <laughs> with no ammunition, what will we do? Anyway, I'm the Chief Corrosion Officer of the Small Arms Humane Society. I don't know if I've managed to tell you that or not, but...
Now you have. Do <laughs> the maintenance. That's all I can implore. Do it. Yep. And you mentioned that term deferred maintenance. I mean, when someone buys a Milsert, when you buy an older firearm, it's generally going to be, in a lot of cases, especially if it's a mass-produced or widely available firearm, let's just use a 9130 Mosin, for example. You, you are talking about a firearm that has been, been usually in some form of turned-in condition. They've been sold off as government surplus, and the government has sold them to the lowest bidder, and then the importer is going to turn around. They're trying to turn a bit of a profit. They didn't pay a lot for them, so in a lot of cases, especially in the earlier days, they would sell them off for as cheap as they possibly could just to turn a quick profit. And there's always that sort of that def the idea of deferred maintenance is, yeah, you are basically buying an item that's been used, sometimes abused, turned in and sold off as scrap, basically. And you have to find some way to turn that into something that's viable for you. Now, that, that's going to be different for different people. Some people want to take an old Mosin and chop it up, make a cool shooter out of it. This gun is a parts gun. It's got a mismatch, everything on it. It was just literally, it wasn't a gun to begin with. I just took a bunch of random parts and assembled this and SBR'd it and made a cool little shooter. Whereby, you know, some people may take an all-matching, really, really nice example and not know what they have, not understand what they have, and then basically ruin it. Do your research. Yeah, yeah do your research, guys. Then do the maintenance. Yep. But That's we important. definitely got to do it. it it's, 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 it's becoming chronic now, the number of firearms that have come through my shop that while they may look good they are a disaster and look at it on the bright side it's a machine you're going to learn a few things about machines you're going to understand how to take this gun all the way apart when you're done yeah. and then you'll give it back to me in a bag to put it back together again whatever at least you were trying sure. and that's the important part i agree I think that um, first and foremost, when you get into surplus, and this video is mainly, you know, we're mainly discussing surplus here because normally when you find an older firearm is kind of languishing away in terms of condition or you find it in, you know, an older relative's home or someone had it and it just sat around, a lot of times that, that's where you're going to run into situations where, okay, this gun's got maybe a layer of rust on it or it's got some corrosion or the bore is a little rotted out because it wasn't properly cleaned after use with like corrosive ammunition or something. Any number of different things, like you said, lack of defer uh, deferred maintenance essentially. That's when you're going to have to decide, okay, what point am I at here? A, a complete restoration, uh, conservation. Now conservation, you mentioned cons conserve first. Now restoration. Now when someone says the word restoration, now that's a completely different bag of, of tricks there in my opinion. Now, you know, it's one thing to like maybe you know, bleach a stock or, or, or steam a stock, a dent out of a stock, or maybe try to, you know, put a little coat of tongue oil on a stock, or maybe take some stock conditioner, stock wax, and try to just preserve what's there, preserve the existing finish. But when you're talking complete, full-on, full-bore restoration, a lot of people may not completely understand what that's really involved. I mean, right. that's an involved thing to you do you got to right. do your research and make sure that you understand what you're biting off. But the basic conservation steps, we've covered a few things on some, sure. of, the, on some of the videos that we've shot on me on how to do one now of Make these. sure you check out the Anvil series over on CN Arsenal, by the way. We've done stuff about how to totally conserve one of these weapons with under $25 worth of hardware. Sure. It's not particularly expensive. And if you're a, you're a steward of a piece of history, do the maintenance. I don't know what else to say. That's a good point. You know, when it comes to restoration, 
you know, also understanding the restoration techniques that, or the original techniques that would have been used to put the original finish on the gun in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't take a gun that originally wasn't hot blued and hot blew it when the original bluing was a combination of fire blue and rust blue. And then you get to go down the history rabbit hole with us. Exactly. Because now you're going to find something out about why varnishes suck and why if acroglass and polyurethane was available in the 1850s, they would be standard firearms finishes. But that's a different rant for another day. That's right. Guys, uh, thanks for tuning in for today's gun gripe. We really appreciate all of the support from all of you. Um, Y'all been great. Hopefully this allowed some of you to kind of glean a little bit of information um, from a guy like Mark who's very knowledgeable about restoration. Now, he does a ton of work on all different kinds of guns. And uh, he does you know, work on a lot of the heavier stuff, too, so uh, machine guns and whatnot, which require a certain finesse. Level, level of craziness. And a level of craziness yeah, in order to, to kind of go, all right, well, I'm about to hit this, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff, and he's a very important part of seeing Arsenal. And they've been down filming with us, and uh, we've had a lot of fun doing some uh, really fun machine gun videos, as well as some gun gripe material that you're going to be seeing coming down the pipeline. But... Uh, thank you guys so much for the support. Thanks for watching. Make sure you go over there and subscribe to those guys at CN Arsenal. And uh, if you consume their content, which takes them a lot of effort to put together, make sure that you uh, go over to Patreon, throw them a buck for their time, because they really, I've seen on the back end the kind of work that they put into this stuff, loading the ammo, fixing the guns, diagnosing problems. It is a very, very labor, uh, although a love-filled labor, a very labor-intensive process for them to put these videos together so when you guys support folks like us on patreon you're supporting our ability to share what we love with the rest of the world and we thank all of you for that thanks for watching today's video mark thanks for, for hanging out with thanks, us thanks eric all right, pleasure pal. and uh we got much more on the way make sure you tune in we'll see you all next time enjoy your day and until uh until we see you again later Hurrah.